Part One, Chapter Eleven of Quo Vadis, A Tale of the Time of Nero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Quo Vadis by Henrik Sienkiewicz, translated by Benyon and Malevsky. Part One, Chapter Eleven. Vinitius sought not his couch that night. Some time after the departure of Petronius, as the groans of the slaves undergoing flagellation could appease neither his grief nor his anger, he collected a crowd of other slaves, and though it was late at night, he led them forth in search of Lygia. He searched the Esquiline district, the Sabora, the criminal quarter, and all the adjoining by-lanes. Then, passing the capital, he crossed the bridge of Fabricius to the island, and thence passed hurriedly through the Trans-Tiber district. But search was in vain. He himself had little hope of finding Lygia, only he felt he must do something during that terrible night. He returned home at daybreak, when the carts and mules of the vegetable dealers had already appeared in the streets, and when bakers were opening their shops. On his return he ordered the removal of Gulo's corpse, which nobody had dared to touch. The slaves who had escorted Lygia he sent to rural dungeons, a punishment considered more terrible even than death. Throwing himself at last on a couch in the banqueting hall, he pondered confused plans of how he could find and seize Lygia. He could not bear the thought that he would not see Lygia again. The very idea threw him into a frenzy. Imperious by nature, the young soldier, for the first time in his life, met resistance, met another unyielding will, and he could not understand how anyone could dare to thwart his desires. Vinitius would rather the entire world should perish and Rome fall into ruins than that he should fail to attain the object of his desires. The cup of joy had been snatched from his lips, therefore it seemed to him that an unprecedented something had happened, something that cried aloud for vengeance to all laws, divine and human. He could not reconcile himself to fate. Never in his life had he desired anything so keenly as Lygia. He felt that he could not live without her. He could not imagine what he would do on the morrow without her, how he could survive the days that were to come. At times he was transported by fits of rage against her. He wanted to possess her, to drag her by the hair to his bedroom, and there to gloat over her. And then again his heart was stirred by a yearning for her form, her eyes, her voice, and he felt that he would gladly fall at her feet. He called to her, he gnawed his fingers, he clasped his head with his hands. He strove to compel himself to think calmly about continuing his search, but he could not. A thousand plans flitted through his head, one more foolish than the other. Then it occurred to him that it must have been Aulus who had rescued the maiden, and that Aulus must know where she was concealed. He sprang up to rush off at once to the house of Aulus. If Aulus would not return Lygia to him, if he did not fear his threats, then he would go to Caesar, accuse the old general of disobedience, and prevail upon Nero to condemn him to death. But, previous to this, he would compel the old man to reveal Lygia's hiding-place. Even if she were returned voluntarily, he would be revenged. True, he had been sheltered in the house of Aulus, he had been taken care of, but what of that? This insult had freed him from his debt of gratitude. In imagination the young tribune reveled in the despair of Pomponia when the centurion should bring the death sentence to old Aulus. He was certain that he could secure it. Petronius would assist him. Besides, Caesar denied nothing to his intimates, the Augustales, unless the request were antagonistic to his own desires or wishes. Suddenly his heart almost died within him under the influence of a terrible thought. Suppose Caesar himself had taken Lygia. 
it was generally known that caesar to relieve his ennui sought amusement by making night attacks even petronius used to take a hand in them the main object of these escapades was to seize women and toss them on a soldier's blanket until they lost consciousness caesar at times called these adventures pearl hunts for it sometimes happened that in densely populated districts they found a real pearl of youth and beauty then the sagacio the term for this sport was turned into an actual carrying off the pearl was sent either to the palatine palace or to one of caesar's numerous villas or else caesar presented the jewel to one of his intimates such a fate might have befallen lygia caesar had seen her at the feast vinitius had no doubt that he must have thought her the most beautiful woman he had ever beheld it was all clear enough now true lygia had been in the palatine palace and caesar might have kept her openly but caesar as petronius truly said had no courage in wrong-doing having the power to act openly he preferred to do his ill deeds in secret in this case fear lest he should betray himself to poppaea had probably influenced him to act secretly it now occurred to vinitius that aulus and pomponia would not have dared to rescue the girl given to him by caesar who indeed would dare to do this would that gigantic lygian who had entered the banquet hall and had boldly taken her from the feast on his arm but where could he hide her no a slave could not have done this deed hence no one had taken lygia except caesar himself at this thought darkness fell about his eyes and his forehead was bedewed with sweat if this be the case then lygia was lost to him for ever it was possible for him to wrest her from the hands of any one else but not from those of caesar now with all the more reason he could exclaim woe woe be unto me his imagination allowing him no rest pictured lygia in the arms of nero and for the first time in his life he comprehended that there are thoughts that are beyond human endurance lygia's image haunted his mind as the past flashes through the memory of a drowning man he saw her and heard every word that she uttered saw her at the fountain at the house of aulus at the banquet again he felt her presence the fragrance of her hair the warmth of her body the sweetness of the kisses which he had imprinted upon her innocent lips she appeared to him a hundredfold more beautiful than ever more desirable and dearer to his heart surpassing all mortal women and all goddesses and when he thought that all that had been so deeply stirred in his heart and had become mingled with his very blood and life was now possessed by nero he was seized with a purely physical pain so terrible that he wished to dash his brains out against the walls of the chamber he felt that he was losing his mind and he would surely have gone mad but for the hope of vengeance hitherto he had thought that he could not live without lygia now he was determined that he would not die until he had avenged her he found relief in this thought i will be thy cassius o caesar he repeated to himself addressing nero in his mind after a time he dug his hands into a flower-pot and squeezing a handful of earth together he vowed to erebus hecate and his household lares that he would avenge the spiriting away of lygia and he was in a measure consoled now at least he had something to live for something with which to occupy his days and nights abandoning his intention of visiting aulus vinitius gave orders that he should be borne to the palatine on the way he decided that should he not be admitted to caesar's presence or should they search him for concealed weapons it would be a proof that caesar had carried away lygia he took no weapon with him he had lost his usual presence of mind in general yet as is not uncommon with people possessed by a single idea he retained it in all things which concerned his revenge he acted with great haste in order that his thirst for vengeance should not weaken before he had slaked it 
he desired above everything to see actia for from her he hoped to learn the truth at times also he was consoled with the hope that he might see lygia and this thought made him tremble if caesar had taken her from the slaves not knowing who she was he might return her to him on that day but he soon threw aside this idea had caesar wished to return her to him he would have sent her on the previous evening actia alone could explain everything to him he would go to her first of all having determined on this course of action he commanded his litter-bearers to make all speed on the way his thoughts were disconnected dwelling now on lygia now on his plans for revenge he had heard that priests of the egyptian goddess pach could bring on disease as they pleased and he determined to learn their secret from them in the orient he had been informed also that the jews knew certain invocations by means of which they covered the bodies of their enemies with ulcers in his household he had about a score of jewish slaves he decided that on his return he would have them flogged until they gave up the secret but with a special delight he thought of the short roman sword which let out streams of blood such as had run from caius caligula and left indelible stains on the columns of the portico he was ready to bathe all rome in blood had some revengeful gods promised him to destroy all mankind save himself and lygia he would even have agreed to that in front of the arch of the palatine palace he recovered his presence of mind at sight of the praetorian guards he thought that if they tried even in the slightest way to detain him that this would be a proof that lygia was in the palace by the will of caesar to his surprise the chief centurion smiled at him in a friendly way and approaching him said greetings noble tribune if thou desire an audience with caesar thou hast chosen an inopportune time i do not think that thou wilt be able to see him what has happened asked vinitius the divine little augusta was suddenly taken ill yesterday caesar and poppaea are at her bedside with physicians whom they have summoned from all parts of the city this was a matter of importance when the infant was born caesar had become almost insane from joy and received her with divine honors even before the birth the senate had solemnly committed it to the guardianship of the gods after the birth splendid games were celebrated and a temple was erected to the two fortunes nero extreme in everything loved the child beyond measure it was dear also to poppaea if only for this reason that it strengthened her position and made her influence irresistible on the health and life of this infant might depend the fate of the whole empire but vinitius was so carried away with his love that paying no attention to the news he answered i only wish to see actia but actia also was in attendance upon the child and vinitius had to wait long before seeing her she came only about noon with a pale and weary face which paled still more at the sight of vinitius actia cried he seizing her hand and drawing her to the middle of the room where is lygia i was going to ask thee concerning her she answered reproachfully though he had determined to question her calmly vinitius now clasped his head in his hands while his face grew distorted with grief and anger and he said she has disappeared she was seized on the way to my house then he grew calmer and bringing his face close to actia's he hissed through his teeth actia if thy life is dear to thee if thou desirest not to be the cause of unimaginable misfortunes tell me the truth did caesar take her caesar was not away from the palace yesterday by the shade of thy mother in the name of all the gods is she not hidden in the palace marcus by the shade of my mother she is not in the palace and caesar did not take her the infant augusta has been sick since yesterday and caesar has not left her cradle 
Vinitius breathed more freely. What had seemed to him the most terrible of possibilities was removed from his path. Then, said he, sitting on the bench and clenching his fists, Aulus and Pomponia have taken her. Woe to them! Aulus Plautius was here this morning. I could not see him because I was busy with the infant, but he made inquiries of Epaphroditus and other servants of the palace concerning Lygia and told them that he would come again to see me. He wished to avert suspicion from himself. If he really knew not what had become of Lygia, he would have sought her in my house. He left a few words for me on a tablet. These will show thee that Aulus, knowing Caesar had taken Lygia from him at the request of thyself and of Petronius, feared that the maiden had been sent to thy house. This morning he went there, and was informed of what had happened. With these words Actia went to the bedroom, and returned with the tablet which Aulus had left for her. Vinitius read it and became silent. Actia, guessing his thoughts from the gloomy expression of his face, said, no marcus what lygia herself desired has happened didst thou know that she desired to escape exclaimed vinitius wrathfully fixing her sad eyes upon him she answered almost sternly i knew that she would not become thy concubine and thou what hast thou been all thy life i was first of all a slave but the anger of vinitius could not be calmed caesar had given lygia to him consequently he did not need to inquire what had been her previous condition he would find her even if she were hidden in the bowels of the earth and he would do what he pleased with her she should be his slave he would have her flogged as often as he pleased when he ceased to love her he would bestow her on the lowest of his slaves or he would send her to turn a handmill on his african estates he would begin his search for her at once and find her that he might punish her that he might trample upon her and compel her obedience as his anger grew he placed no limits to his vengeance so that even actia perceived that he was threatening more than he could perform under the influence of anger and despair she would probably have felt pity for his sufferings had not his extravagant rage exhausted her patience so that at last she inquired why he had come to her vinitius did not find an immediate answer he had come to her because he had wanted to come because he thought she would give him some information but really he had come to see caesar but not being admitted to him he had asked for her lygia's flight had been disobedience to the will of caesar therefore he would petition nero to give command that she should be sought over the whole city and over the entire empire even if this entailed the aid of all the legions and the searching of every house throughout the empire petronius would support this petition and the search would begin at once beware said actia lest when she is found thou lose her forever at the command of caesar what dost thou mean vinitius asked with wrinkled brows listen to me marcus yesterday i was walking with lygia in the gardens we met poppaea with the infant augusta born by the egyptian lilith at evening the infant fell ill lilith declares that the child was bewitched she accuses the foreign woman whom they met in the gardens if the child recovers they will forget all about this but if not poppaea will be the first to accuse lygia of witchcraft and then whenever she is found nothing can save her there was a moment of silence which vinitius was the first to break perhaps she did bewitch the child and has bewitched me lilith says that the child began to cry immediately after she had passed us this is true in fact no doubt the child was ill when they brought it into the garden marcus search for lygia wherever thou pleasest but until the little one recovers mention not her name to caesar or thou wilt bring down upon her the vengeance of poppaea her eyes have shed tears enough already on thy account may all the gods protect her now dost thou love her actia 
asked vinitius sadly tears sprang to the eyes of the freedwoman yes i love her but she did not repay thee with hatred as she did me actea looked at him as if hesitating or as if she wished to test his sincerity then she said o oh, blind and passionate man she loved thee vinitius sprang up as if possessed that is false he said she hates me how could actea know it was hardly possible that lygia after one day's acquaintance would make such a confession to her what kind of love was that which would prefer wandering poverty the uncertainty of the morrow perhaps even a shameful death to a house bedecked with green wreaths where a lover was in waiting with a banquet all prepared better he should not hear such words lest he go mad he would not have exchanged the girl for all the treasures of the palatine and she had fled what kind of love was that that feared delight and courted pain who could understand it who could explain it but for his hope of finding her he would fall upon his sword love surrenders it does not run away there were moments in the house of aulus when he felt that happiness was near but now he was convinced that she hated him and would die with that hatred in her heart actea naturally gentle and timid now burst forth with indignant reproaches how had he tried to win the love of lygia instead of asking aulus and pomponia to give her to him he had taken her away from her guardians by stealth he wished not to make her his wife but his concubine she the foster daughter of an honorable family and the daughter of a king he had brought her to an abode of vice and infamy he had defiled her innocent eyes with the spectacle of a shameful orgy he had treated her as a harlot had he forgotten what sort of man was aulus and what sort of woman pomponia they who had brought up lygia had he not wit enough to understand that women existed quite different from nigidia or calvia crispinilla or poppaea and from all those whom he met in caesar's house had not a conviction forced itself upon his mind at his first sight of lygia that so pure a soul would prefer death to shame did he not know that the gods she worshipped were better and purer than the dissolute venus or isis who were honored by the corrupt women of rome no lygia had made no confession to her but she had said that she hoped vinitius would save her she hoped caesar through vinitius's petition would allow her to return home she hoped that vinitius would restore her to pomponia while speaking lygia had become confused as a maiden who loves and trusts her heart had beat for him but he had terrified her and made her indignant and now let him seek for her with the aid of caesar's cohorts but let him know that should nero's child die suspicion must fall upon her and her ruin would be inevitable in spite of his rage and pain what actea had said affected vinitius her assurance that lygia loved him thrilled him to the very soul he recalled how she had blushed and how her eyes had become radiant with light when she had listened to his words in the house of aulus yes at that time love was touching her heart the thought filled him with delight and then he saw that he might have won her through peaceful means and have possessed himself of her heart she might have put twine on his door rubbed it with wolf's fat and sat as his wife on a sheepskin by his hearth he might have heard from her lips the words sanctioned by custom where thou art caius there am i caia and she might have belonged to him forever why had he not acted thus did he not wish to marry her now that she had gone now that he might never find her or finding her might cause her ruin or even if he did not bring ruin upon her neither lygia nor aulus might listen to his proposals 
again anger seized him but it was now turned not against aulus or pomponia or lygia but against petronius he was the one at fault had it not been for him lygia would not be wandering about now she would be his bride and no danger would threaten her life now all was over matters could no longer be mended now it was too late an abyss seemed to yawn at his feet what was he to do what measure could he take like an echo actia repeated the words too late falling from another's lips they sounded like a death sentence one thing however was certain he must find lygia otherwise some terrible evil would befall him mechanically wrapping himself in his toga he was on the point of leaving without even bidding farewell to actia when suddenly the curtain that separated the vestibule from the hall was thrust aside and he saw before him the sad face of pomponia evidently she also had heard of lygia's disappearance and judging that she could easily gain admittance to actia she had come for information seeing vinitius she turned toward him her pale delicate face and exclaimed marcus may god forgive thee the wrong thou hast done to us and to lygia he hung his head feeling both unhappy and guilty yet not understanding what god was to forgive nor why pomponia spoke of forgiveness when she ought to have spoken of revenge at length he departed tormented by sad thoughts despair and perplexity in the courtyard and in the gallery were crowds of people mingled with slaves of the palace were knights and senators come to inquire after the health of the little augusta and at the same time to show themselves in the palace and give a proof of their devotion in the presence of caesar's slaves the news of the illness of the little divinity had evidently spread quickly for every moment visitors arrived and through the archways crowds of people could be seen some of the recent arrivals noticing vinitius coming out of the palace stopped him for news but he hurried on without answering them until he ran against petronius doubtless vinitius would have been seized with rage at the sight of petronius and committed some unlawful act in caesar's palace were it not that when he had left actia's chamber he was so crushed and humiliated that for the moment his innate irascibility had left him vinitius pushed petronius aside and was about to continue his way but the latter detained him how fares the divine infant this forcible detention aroused anew the anger of vinitius may hell swallow her and all this house he hissed through his teeth be silent unhappy man said petronius and looking about he hastily added if thou desirest to learn something about lygia follow me no i will say nothing here follow me i will explain my surmises in the litter placing his arm about the young man he led him out of the palace as quickly as possible this was his aim for he had no news whatever about lygia but as a man of resources who in spite of yesterday's indignation felt compassion for vinitius together with a certain responsibility for what had happened he had taken some measures already when they were seated in the litter he said i have ordered my slaves to watch at every gate giving them minute descriptions of the maiden and of that giant who carried her out from caesar's feast for doubtless he is the one who recaptured her from thy slaves hearken aulus and pomponia may have wished to hide her away on one of their estates if so we will find in what direction she was conducted if she passes none of the gates then this will be proof that she is still in the city and we will begin to search for her in rome to-day aulus and pomponia know not where she is answered vinitius art thou sure of this i have seen pomponia and she also is searching for her 
she could not have left the city yesterday for the gates are closed at night two of my slaves are watching each gate one is to follow lygia and the giant and the other is to return immediately and inform me if she be in rome we shall find her for the lygian can easily be recognized by his height and the breadth of his shoulders it is lucky that she was not carried away by caesar i can assure you that it was not he for i know all the secrets of the palace vinitius broke out rather in sorrow than in anger in a voice broken by emotion he told petronius all he had heard from actia he explained the new dangers which threatened lygia that now in case they found her they must needs hide her from poppaea then he reproached petronius bitterly for his advice had it not been for him everything would have been well lygia would have been in the house of aulus vinitius could have seen her every day and he would now be a happier man than caesar carried away by his own words he became more and more agitated until at last tears of sorrow and anger coursed down his cheeks petronius who had not thought the young tribune capable of such passion beholding his tears said to himself with wonder o oh, mighty sovereign of cyprus thou alone art the ruler of gods and men End of part one, chapter eleven